Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about waves, rays, and particles. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice, so don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Stephen Ned as a patient at his office. Good evening, Stephen. Welcome back. Thank you. Good evening, Ron. Yes, it was a lot of fun last week with our special guest from Narcanon, and uh, we've had quite a few guests recently, which was very cool, but it's nice to have you back. We're going to get into some things that are a little bit different than we have in the past, and it has to do with waves and frequencies and particles and things like that that are either naturally occurring or man-made that affect people's bodies and their health. And it is something that wouldn't be the typical thing that you'd hear about, but it is something that does affect people. So they need to be aware of it. I mean, years ago, it first came to people's attention because of uh, ultraviolet rays and the skin cancer and things like that. And then there was microwave ovens and the microwaves and how they would affect people. And now we've got all sorts of stuff like Wi-Fi and 5G coming up and we've got all sorts of stuff that we're going to be discussing. And this first week, we're going to be talking about the naturally occurring rays, rays and waves. So what are the different naturally occurring waves and particles that affect the body and its health? Well, let's start with the electromagnetic spectrum. And this is the complete range of electromagnetic radiation waves that's placed in order based on increasing frequency. Right. And a part of that is the light, the spectrum of light, but that's only part of that. And a very small part of it too. Right. Yeah. So, you know, in other words, this goes from the waves with the lowest frequency to the highest frequency, which is, you know, how quickly or how frequent they're vibrating measured in cycles per second or how many times per second they're vibrating. Right. So let's look at the different naturally occurring waves or rays on the electromagnetic spectrum. Okay. Radio waves, which are traditionally thought of as man-made waves. In doing my research this week, I learned that radio waves can also be produced by lightning, and you can actually hear them on an AM radio during a thunderstorm by tuning your radio in between AM stations. Wow. Yeah. Have you tried that yet? I haven't. I have to find an AM radio. <laughs> yeah, and in Florida, you can do that much easier than a lot of areas of the country because you get thunderstorms pretty frequently. Tampa Bay is the lightning capital of the world. That's why we have the lightning here. That's right. And they're doing very well in the playoffs. They're one game away from the Stanley Cup. I oh, think they're playing right now, as a matter of fact. Wow. Yeah. You know, before the advent of high-tech radar and other satellite-linked technologies that could detect thunderstorms, 
pilots could determine if there was a thunderstorm hidden in dark clouds by distinctive lightning clicks that they can hear on a radio. Oh, that fascinating. That. Yeah. In addition, radio waves are also produced by astronomical objects in space in the universe, and high-tech telescopes have picked these up. Uh, even earlier this year, radio waves were detected from a small dwarf galaxy 3 billion light years away. And what was interesting about them was that they kept repeating every 16 days. Hmm. So could there be life out there? Yeah, that must make me think of the movie. I think it was Contact or one of those where the person at the beginning is listening and the radio waves start coming through and they go running down some stairs to somebody. It was one of those movies. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. So other electromagnetic radiation waves that are traditionally thought of as naturally occurring include infrared, visible light, which again is a really tiny part of the electromagnetic spectrum, ultraviolet, and gamma rays. Okay. Now, if we were to look at naturally occurring radiation in general, there's actually three groupings of it, primarily based on where the radiation comes from. There's radiation that is found in the soil and rocks, and that's called primordial or terrestrial radiation. Okay. Uh, there's radiation that comes from space, including the sun's radiation, and that's called cosmic or cosmogenic radiation. And then there's radon and other types of naturally occurring forms of radiation called radionuclides that we eat, drink, or breathe. And this subgrouping by far gives us the largest dose of naturally occurring radiation on an annual basis. Believe it or not, it's over 10 times the amount that we get from terrestrial radiation from rock, soil, and building materials, and almost eight times the amount we get from cosmic radiation from space, including from the sun. Yeah, that's one of the things in real estate that we have to go over with people is the whole aspect of radon and how it's a naturally occurring thing and it can build up. And I went through a whole bunch of training on it and they talked about how the problem is if you're in a house where there's cracks in the foundation, if there's cracks in the foundation, it can seep up through the cracks in the foundation into the house. And then the issue with the houses is if they're newer built houses where they're sealed much better, then the radon levels will build up. If it's older houses where there's like little leaks here and there and the windows are older and, and air gets out them and so on, then the radon levels don't build up as high. And the way that it's resolved is they have to find all of the cracks in the foundation and seal them. You don't like move because there's radon because it's just naturally occurring. Right. So there's a whole technology having to do with that. But yes, that is something you're correct that, that can affect people and can cause health problems. Another type of naturally occurring wave is a sound wave, which is produced by mechanical vibrations. And there's three types of sound waves. There's infrasound, which is waves with frequencies below 20 hertz. There's audible sound, which is sound that we can hear, and that's in the 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz range. And then there's the dog whistles. <laughs> no. That's the high frequency ones. Well, there's actually ultrasound. Right. And we can't hear that. And yeah, I guess that qualifies for mm -hmm. dog whistles. But as you know, this has some also outstanding medical uses for physical therapy and for diagnostics. And this is in the frequency range above 20,000 hertz. Right. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention along these lines is gravity. Gravity is one of the four fundamental forces in the universe alongside electromagnetism 
and the strong and weak nuclear forces. It's a naturally occurring phenomenon that, you know, we'll go into more detail in just a bit, but it's what's responsible for holding the planets in orbit around the sun, keeping the moon in orbit around the earth, uh, the tides of the seas and oceans, since the gravitational pull of the moon pulls the seas towards it. Right. Uh, also, the creation of the stars and planets by pulling together the materials that they're made from. And it's what keeps you on the ground and what makes things fall from the sky. Yep, exactly. All right. So those are the different types of naturally occurring waves and radiation and particle and things like that. So we wanted to go over those because now we're going to go into more detail about how they affect the body. But before we go into those things, we're going to just briefly talk about what we'll be covering next week in part two, the man-made waves, particles, and frequencies that have effects on the body and its health. So can you go over some of those with us? Sure. Now, if we go back to the electromagnetic spectrum again, uh, those waves or rays that are typically thought of as man-made are radio waves, microwaves, and x-rays. You know, we all know what x-rays are used for. Mm-hmm. Uh, microwaves will be covered in more detail in the next podcast. And then there's radio waves, which include lots of subcategories or different types of technology that use radio waves or radio frequencies, also known as RF. Mm -hmm. These include Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, 5G, and other similar technologies. Uh, We'll also cover these in more detail in the next podcast. That's correct. And, you know, there's also things like radioactive particles that come from explosions produced by thermonuclear weapons, as well as high-tension electrical wires, which we'll also delve into a little more in the next episode. Yeah, and those have had effects on people or or suspected of having effects on people. And so that's important to know more about. Now, what reduces the bad effects is some of the waves and particles that come from the sun and they head their way toward here and actually will hit the body. What can actually reduce those effects? Well, first of all, the Earth's atmosphere protects us from most of the potentially harmful ultraviolet radiation from the sun. And, you know, the rest is up to us to implement. And I'm just going to list some recommendations from the EPA concerning this. Okay. Uh, this, yeah, this data comes from an article from the EPA's official website, and it's titled Ultraviolet Radiation and Sun Exposure. So first of all, they recommend that you limit time in the midday sun uh, because the sun's rays are strongest between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. So you should limit exposure to the sun during these hours, even in the winter and especially at higher altitudes. But if you recall, when we went over this in our uh, one podcast having to do with sunshine and sunburn and sunscreen and all that, Mm -hmm. I mentioned that those are actually the best times of day to get vitamin D. Yep, I remember that. So if you're going to, then you don't have to do it with certain precautions and you know, limit, limit your time and then you can put your sunscreen on afterwards. Yeah, the one on sunburn, sunscreens, and ultraviolet was episode number 21. It was. Mm-hmm. All right, so next is do not burn. Sunburns significantly increase the lifetime risk of developing skin cancer, especially for children. Just common sense, obviously. Yeah. Uh, seek shade. Shade is a good source of protection. However, keep in mind that trees, umbrellas, and canopies do not offer complete sun protection. Right. Uh, use extreme caution near water, snow, and sand because 
these three materials reflect the damaging rays of the sun, which can increase your chance of sunburn. Correct. Also avoid sun tanning and tanning beds. Ultraviolet light from tanning beds and the sun can cause skin cancer and wrinkling. So you don't want to mix those. Right. Uh, Wear protective clothing. Uh, Wide brim hats offer good sun protection for your eyes, ears, face, and neck. Uh, Sunglasses also provide 99 to 100% UVA and UVB protection, which will greatly reduce eye damage from sun exposure. And tightly woven loose-fitting clothes will provide additional protection from the sun. Always use sunscreen. Uh, Apply a broad-spectrum sunscreen with an SPF of 30 or higher on all exposed skin 20 minutes before going outside. Reapply every two hours or after working, swimming, playing, or exercising outdoors. It's also a good idea to watch the UV index, which provides important sun safety information to help people plan outdoor activities. And, you know, there's more information on this if you're interested in, again, that podcast that we covered, Sunburn and Sunscreen, which is episode number 21. It includes detailed information about what sunscreens to get and what to avoid in them, what UPF or ultraviolet protection factor means when you're picking out protective clothing, and all kinds of other interesting information on this subject, including what I recommend if you get sunburned. Yep, that's good information to have because there's not just the skin cancer aspect if you get too much sun, especially as a child, but there's the way that it get too much sun, you'll get leathery type skin that's wrinkled when you're older, kind of like that lady in Something About Mary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. That was pretty bad. <laughs> so yeah, if you don't want to look like her, then watch what you're doing. All right, now let's talk about gravity. What about it is helpful to the body and its health, and what about it is actually harmful to the body and its health? All right, well, starting with the helpful points. You know, the human body is dependent on gravity for normal muscle and bone development. Uh, Weight bearing is very important for healthy bone density and muscle development. And, you know, when you're put into a weightless environment like outer space with zero gravity, then the muscles that work against gravity, the postural muscles will shrink and you'll also lose bone mass. So that's something that astronauts have to work, work against. Right. Um, Standing up and opposing gravity is also very helpful, especially for those who sit a lot since excessive sitting is now the new smoking due to its harmful effects on the body, including posture. Mm -hmm. And we learned about this in past podcasts, including episode number 38, covering posture in depth. Our circulatory system, with the help of the adrenals, is also designed to oppose gravity when you're standing. When you're lying down, blood flows level with the earth, but when you stand up, it has to flow upward against the force of gravity. Uh, When astronauts go into outer space, their cardiovascular health can plummet unless they're doing some form of active exercise. So the space station and space shuttles have exercise equipment to prevent this from occurring. That's good. Mm -hmm. And maintaining balance is another key thing that the body is designed to do against gravity. Uh, When astronauts come back to Earth, they typically initially have a little difficulty standing with balance. Now let's look at some of the harmful effects of gravity. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, gravity can have some really negative effects on the body, especially when we age. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably the most obvious area is the spine. Uh, The compressive downward force of gravity causes the discs to lose moisture throughout the day 
which results in an average daily height loss of up to a half an inch to three quarters of an inch. Wow, that's a lot. I know. Now, overnight, nearly all the moisture returns to the disc, but not 100%. And over the course of a lifetime, especially in later years, a person can permanently lose between a half an inch to two inches in height. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the organs of the body can also become compressed and even fall or prolapse over time, leading to reduced function. Mm-hmm. Uh, the waist measurement can also increase, not because of weight gain, but due to the compression of gravity on the spine and organs, causing what's called compression wrinkles. Wow. Yeah. And this can affect your ability to move and bend, resulting in you know reduced flexibility and significant reduction in the ability to perform simple daily activities. Okay. And perhaps the most serious problem that gravity poses is circulatory issues. It makes it harder for blood to flow upward to the heart as well as to the head. And over time, things like varicose veins, decreased scalp circulation, and swollen limbs can occur as a result. All right. So we're not going to get rid of gravity. So people just need to be doing things that are going to make them more proofed up against it. And one of those is exercise like we've talked before. The other is proper diet. Um, But, you know, these are the effects that we have to understand. Can it be caused by gravity that are going to affect us throughout our lives? Now, you talked earlier about gamma radiation and where it comes from and a little bit of information about it. But let's get into that a little bit more and how it affects the body. Well, let's first look at what gamma rays are. Okay. Now, again, they have the smallest wavelengths and the most energy of any wave in the electromagnetic spectrum. And they're produced by the hottest and most energetic objects in the universe, including neutron stars and pulsars, supernova explosions, and regions around black holes. Mm -hmm. Those found on Earth are generated by nuclear explosions, lightning, and radioactive decay of atoms, especially from the elements uranium and thorium. A process called gamma irradiation processing uses gamma rays to sterilize and decontaminate various industrial products. Hmm. And there's also two major medical applications of gamma radiation. One is the technology called the PET scan, which is a diagnostic device that has a different technology than a CT scan but uses about the same amount of radiation as an X-ray and looks for similar things as a CT scan, but always using an injected contrast to see in 3D images. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's most commonly used to detect cancers, heart problems, brain disorders, and problems with the nervous system. The other major medical use of gamma radiation is radiation therapy for cancer with the purpose of selectively destroying cancerous cells in small localized tumors. Unfortunately, like chemotherapy, there are lots of side effects to this treatment, and hopefully none of you out there will ever have to experience it. Exactly. I would be perfectly honest with you. When I hear about gamma radiation, I think about ray guns for those monsters from outer space in the 1950s science fiction movies, the gamma rays. (laughs) I think about the Incredible Hulk because that's how he came about his exposure to gamma radiation. Yeah. So that's another reason people shouldn't mess around with gamma rays. Now, let's take a look at radiation because you mentioned that when you were talking about the treatment for cancer. What's the actual mechanism of how radiation and radioactive particles affect the body? 
Well, the best reference that I've read about this is an article called Radiation and the Environment, written by Dr. Gene Dank. And it's actually the introduction in the book All About Radiation, which is co-authored by another medical doctor, Farley R. Spink, along with L. Ron Hubbard, who was one of the United States' first nuclear physics students in 1932 at George Washington University. He also served in World War II as a naval commander. And while living in the 1950s in Phoenix, Arizona, just a few hundred miles to the south of the Nevada desert where American nuclear bomb testing was occurring, there was radioactive dust fallout that spread for hundreds of miles across the skies during that time. Mr. Hubbard took interest in researching radiation and its effects you know, during that time, and he had, a radia- he had a radiation detecting Geiger counter that picked up radiation on vegetation, livestock, and even the piano in his living room. Wow. Yeah. His research eventually culminated in not only the publication of this book, but also a workable solution to radiation exposure called the purification program that you... I and our mother did successfully to rid our bodies of accumulated radiation as well as other stored toxins. Right. So for more information about that, you know, you can listen to our podcast on detoxification, which was episode number 23. Correct. Now, as far as how radiation and radioactive particles affect the body, Dr. Gene Dank explains that radiation particles and waves can pass directly through the body when it's in close proximity to, let's say, a nuclear incidents such as a bomb explosion or a nuclear reactor leak, or more commonly when taken in as a result of contamination of the air, water, and food by fallout or exposure of radioactive materials. Mm -hmm. Radioactive elements are basically absorbed into the body through the lungs, intestines, and skin. And when radiation passes through the body or is absorbed into specific tissues made up of fat and protein, it, tra- it transfers a tremendous amount of energy, causing lots of damage, including the production of the notorious free radicals, which again are molecules including oxygen that have lost an electron, making them unstable and disruptive to other molecules, cells, and tissues of the body. Radiation produces a burst of free electrons in the body, which then produces a ton of free radicals that rip and tear into tissues, causing disruption of cell structure suppression of enzyme activity, the formation of abnormal proteins, the formation of mutation-causing and cancer-forming substances, and the death of cells. Fortunately, the body contains defense mechanisms against radiation exposure with antioxidants leading the way, including vitamin C, vitamin E, various enzymes, the mineral selenium, and the liver antioxidant glutathione, which can be produced from NAC or N-acetylcysteine. Yeah, and you've covered most of the supplements in the series that we did on vitamins and supplements. And it's one of the other reasons why people need to understand that you don't just take that stuff when you're sick. Uh, A lot of it helps proof up the body against things so that if you're getting more radioactive effects on the body because you're out in the sun more or because you're near an area where there's been nuclear testing in the past and there's still some radiation around or whatever the reason is. If your body's proofed up against it, you're not going to have these negative effects. But if you're not, it's more of a risk for you. So that's very good to know. Now, let's take a look at the negatives and positives about another 
section of the electromagnetic spectrum, and this has to do with infrared rays or infrared waves. You know, if you listen to our podcast on the infrared sauna and ion footpath, which was episode number 131, you would have learned about what it is, what it does, and all of its benefits. I mean, basically, the positive benefits of infrared light waves far outweigh any potential negative effects, which are minimal and only occur in certain situations, such as infrared being combined with harmful ultraviolet rays, such as in sunlight. Uh, eye lens and cornea damage in people who work in industries where they're exposed to infrared radiation for extended periods of time, but obviously this can be avoided with protective eyewear. And combining infrared with heat for too long a period, such as the use of an infrared lamp or infrared sauna resulting in overheating, dehydration, electrolyte deficiency, and other heat-related issues, which again can be avoided by drinking enough water, taking electrolytes, taking breaks, and not overdoing it. You know, we learned in the infrared sauna podcast that the body actually produces infrared energy to keep it warm and repair body tissues. So it doesn't just absorb it, it also emits it. Right. And infrared from outside sources such as the sun or a sauna can also help the body detoxify, uh, improve cardiovascular function, produce an aerobic exercise effect, reduce muscle spasms and tightness, improve lymph circulation, improve skin tone and elasticity, and it can produce an improved immune response to infections, including bacteria and viruses. Wow. All right. So that's infrared. So now we're going to go on to the other side of the visible light spectrum and deal with ultraviolet because infrared's on one side, ultraviolet is on the other side. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier when you said when infrared is combined with harmful ultraviolet rays, what is the harmful type of ultraviolet rays? What do they do? And are there any good aspects of ultraviolet rays? There are, and let's start with those. So, you know, whether it comes from the sun or from a man-made lamp, some of the excellent health benefits when it's used in moderation include uh, the fact that it has antimicrobial properties. And it's not only used to sterilize medical equipment, but also ultraviolet lamps have been found to be effective for direct contact on people for infections like MRSA, ulcers caused by H. pylori, and Candida albicans. By the way, I watched a documentary a couple of weeks ago about how the NFL players were getting ready for the season with extra precautions due to COVID-19. And they showed how the locker rooms had ultraviolet lamps in them that would be on overnight to sterilize all the equipment when no one was around. Right. It's really cool. Yeah, I heard about that today. Mm -hmm. Ultraviolet light can also boost the immune system and encourage wounded tissue to heal, especially for psoriasis and lichen planus. Uh, a study performed at Edinburgh University found that skin that was exposed to ultraviolet rays released a compound called nitric oxide, which lowered blood pressure. Wow. Yeah. Nitric oxide is also excellent for improving circulation and is the chemical in the body that is targeted by the active ingredients in the male ED products, Viagra and Cialis. And ultraviolet light therapy has also been found to be effective for those who suffer with SAD or seasonal affective disorder, which is a type of depression that's common during winter months when there's less sunshine. So an indoor ultraviolet light can effectively make up for this lack of sunlight. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah. Unfortunately, unlike infrared light, 
ultraviolet light has some pretty nasty side effects and caution must always be taken when you know you're exposing yourself to ultraviolet light. The most important thing to remember is that too much direct ultraviolet light exposure can end up causing more serious problems than the initial condition that you're trying to treat. Mm. And, you know, it's just like all remedies, the dose makes the poison. Too much ultraviolet light can cause burns. And what's worse, long-term exposure can lead to various cancers. And if your eyes are overexposed to ultraviolet lights, then they can be damaged and you can potentially become blind. All right. So none of that's good. So you have to be cautious about that. Now we've covered ultraviolet. We've covered infrared. Between the two of them, you have the visible light spectrum. So what are the positives and negatives about visible light? And what are the positives and negatives about a deficiency or a lack of visible sunlight? Well, you know, as far as getting adequate amounts of sunlight in general, there are quite a few evidence-based health benefits to this. Mm-hmm. The amount of daylight sun exposure that you receive is vital in maintaining a normal circadian rhythm, which we learned about in episode number 72, which covered the brain glands. And if you recall, we discussed the pineal gland, which through the action of its hormone called melatonin, maintains the circadian rhythm, which is also known as the body's internal clock or sleep-wake cycle. So this especially can determine whether or not you'll have a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very important neurotransmitter called serotonin is also naturally increased with regular sunlight exposure. And this not only helps make you more active and alert, but it's an excellent mood enhancer. And for those of you who haven't listened to that podcast on brain glands, again, number 72, we included the fact that both serotonin and melatonin are made from the amino acid L-tryptophan, and over 90% of serotonin is produced in the gut with the help of our good bacteria. Uh, safe sun exposure can actually protect you from a specific cancer called melanoma. But the greatest benefit by far of sunlight exposure is the production of vitamin D by the body. And to find out all the benefits of vitamin D, you can listen to podcast episode number 59. Uh, and one additional benefit that has been shown in several studies is that taking vitamin D or getting enough sun via, you know, getting enough of it via the sun, and that's in the five to 10,000 IU range per day, to get your blood levels to at least 30 nanograms per milliliter. This correlates directly with how you'll respond to contracting SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that's responsible for COVID-19. 96% uh, of the people who had a mild reaction to it had blood levels of vitamin D above 30 nanograms per milliliter, whereas only 4% of the people who had severe or critical reactions to the virus had normal levels. Wow. So, yeah, anybody, I mean, everybody really needs to be watching their levels of uh, vitamin D. And, and, you know, ideally you want to get them up in the 60 to 80 range because that right. can also help prevent cancers too. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. And we covered that very thoroughly. But it, it's important to say that again as many times as possible until it sinks in. Amen. Now, you know, there are places on earth other than the North and South Poles where there is no night for periods of time and also the opposite where there is little to no sunlight for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And the places that you can visit where there is no night for periods of time, primarily during summer months, are Norway, Iceland, Canada, Alaska, Sweden, and Finland. Now, I visited Anchorage, uh, Alaska 
in July of 1999, and the sun went down at midnight and came back up at 4 a.m. It was pretty weird. Yeah, there was a TV show. There was a TV show I remember watching years ago, and I can't remember who the actors were, um, but they had an episode where it was one of those periods of time where there were like days at a time where there was no night. And it, it showed how the people reacted to that because there was like, it was daylight 24 hours a day for days and days and days. Yep. And, you know, in Northern Norway, the sun doesn't come out for months during some of the winter months. Sounds like Cleveland. Yeah, I know. And there's a town in Russia called Murmansk where the sun doesn't rise for 40 days in the winter. Wow. Now, as far as health effects, whether you know beneficial or detrimental, I wasn't able to find any data about these two extremes. But you know, you'd think it would be difficult to sleep in the areas where the sun is always out. You know, I remember in Alaska, you had you had to have blinds and curtains covering the windows so that you can go to bed before midnight and sleep past 4 a.m. in the morning. I mean, you'd also think that in areas where there's no sunlight for extended periods of time, that people would have vitamin D deficiencies unless they're supplementing with it. Mm -hmm. In addition, uh, more people would likely suffer from, you know, seasonal affective disorder or SAD, which again is a form of depression caused by lack of sunlight resulting in less serotonin production. And this occurs primarily during the winter months. But believe it or not, there's data showing that only 9% of the people living in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is way up top, you know, northern Mm -hmm. Alaska. Mm -hmm. And that gets less than four hours of sunlight in the dead of winter. Wow. Um, Only 9% of them suffer from SAD, which is the same for people living in New Hampshire. Same holds true for a town in northern Norway where they have no sunshine for several months in the winter. Wow. Now, one of the explanations for this is that it's more prevalent in people who are sensitive to light or the lack of it. And in addition, researchers have found that combating this or preventing this is not only a matter of getting enough light, but also at the right time. And that happens to be in the morning since bright light in the morning resets your circadian rhythm. Interesting. Yeah. So perhaps people in these extreme Northern areas have instinctively implemented the use of bright lights in the morning to counter the effects of no light and have fared better than people in less extreme areas that don't take this extra step. So they may have technology where they're using ultraviolet lamps or, you know, other, other forms of light, bright lights to counteract that. Exactly. All right. So just to fill people in, so nobody's left hanging, the TV show is called Northern Exposure. I was going to guess that. Oh, my goodness. Which was a great show. Yeah. And it was, uh, interestingly enough, it was from 1990 to 1995, 110 episodes. It got 57 award nominations and 127. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main actors in there, Rob Morrow and Janine Turner. Okay. So that there was an episode in there. People want to, they can probably Google it and find it. But there was one where it was like, there was just no night for several days. So that definitely stood out for me. All right, so we've covered all these naturally occurring waves and frequencies and particles and so on. Next week, we're going to continue with the man-made ones. One of the reasons this came up originally is because Apple is you know, in the midst of their season of releasing new products. And this is the time when typically they would be releasing the new iPhone. 
the new iPhone that's coming out is the iPhone 12, which is supposed to have 5G in it. It's going to be all set for that once the networks are set up. And there's been a lot of controversy and questioning about 5G and its effect and its health on the, its effect on the body and the body's health. So we wanted to look into that. That's being delayed till probably next month sometime as far as the release. So we wanted to look into it for ourselves and then for other people to see what is the effects on it. So that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about next week is 5G, as well as other things like Wi-Fi and radio frequency and things like that, like you know, wearing an Apple Watch all the time on your wrist. So that's going to be covered next week. And then the week after that, we're going to go into a timely topic, which I'll tell you about in just a minute after I ask you the last question. And I'll tell you why it's a timely topic. But we are going to continue next week on the man-made stuff. And before we end off, and I do my diatribe on what's going to be after that, is there anything else you'd like to say about this week's topic? No, I don't think so. We'll pick this up again next week with the second half of it. All right. So the following week after next week, next week is going to be the man-made waves and radiation and other things like that. After that, we're going to go into a different topic having to do with senior citizens or the elderly and prescription drugs. And one of the reasons why that's timely is because there was recently, I think it's an executive order that got signed by the president having to do with reducing the cost of drugs for Medicare patients and doing what's called a most favored nation situation where I won't even get into the explanation of that, but it's supposed to be bring down the, the price of drugs, which is good because people who are older and need some of these drugs, validly need them, are having to pay ridiculous prices. I mean, we have a friend who's diabetic and he has to get insulin and you know he's got insurance and we figure, oh, well, it's going to be not that expensive. And it's like hundreds of dollars a month. And that just got changed. But it's very expensive for seniors. So that's being changed now. And that kind of brought up this topic. And one of the reasons we want to go over this is because it's well known that senior citizens often have a laundry list of medications that they're taking. Sometimes 5, 10, 15, 20 different medications at the same time. And people don't realize the effects that that has with all those medications together, and especially on someone where their body mass is reducing because of the aging process. So it, this is a very important topic. We're concerned about it because a lot of people don't understand the effects of it. So we're going to get into that topic. That's going to be after next week. So I just want to give people a little heads up on that. But next week, we're going to be letting people know what they should be doing about their Apple Watches and their Fitbits and the iPhone 12 and their Wi-Fi router and different things like that as far as how is it affecting your body and what things maybe you can do if it's causing detrimental effects to mitigate that. So that's going to be the next couple of weeks. How does that sound to you, Steve? Sounds very interesting because um, to be honest with you, I know a little bit about 5G, but this is going to be uh, quite a week of research. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of references to go over. Yep. And it's going to be very helpful. So we hope everybody tunes in and we're looking forward to it and we'll enjoy it probably as much as all of you do. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week, and if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Music